The text today is in Psalm chapter number 34 as we begin that new short summer series that we like to do. We like to work out of the book of Psalms and enjoy that. It's a Jewish hymn book. We enjoy it very much. And so we're going to be reading from Psalms chapter number 34 for our text today. And they'll go over to the nursery where they can scream all they want. So imagine what it's like over there. So. <clears throat> Psalm chapter 34 for our text today. <clears throat> I remember when I was a boy, probably around 9 or 10 years old, in the summertime we spent a lot of time swimming in our old pond, jumping and diving and having fun. My father put a great big flat rock about 2 feet out into the water, and we dived off the rock into the pond. And one day I made my dive. I guess I went a little deeper than normal. And I kicked my foot against a sharp rock somewhere on the bottom. When I came out of the water, I had a pretty deep gash on the top of my foot, just where my toes were attached to my foot, and it bled quite a lot. So Mom said, we're going to have to take you and get it stitched up. And our regular doctor, Dr. Diazio, was out of town. So we had to go see old Doc Warren. Some of you might remember him. He had an office on Main Street in Oakfield. So off we went to Doc Warren's. And now those old-time doctors are nothing like the doctors we have today. All right, I went in the doctor's office, sat on the examination table. Doc was puffing on a cigar. And... (laughs) He clenched the cigar in his teeth and looked at the deep gash on my foot. And he made a comment that I remember to this day. He looked at me and he said, that wasn't very smart. (laughs) Like I said, it's not like doctors today. Well, it was an accident. I didn't do it on purpose. But still old doc said, that wasn't very smart. The other day I happened to be by the old pond. I looked at that big flat rock and the tiny little pond, and if I imagine myself jumping off that rock today, I guess I might say that wasn't very smart. So my friends, let me ask you, did you ever do something that wasn't very smart? (laughs) Maybe, maybe, yeah. Yeah, yeah, sure, yeah. (laughs) We've all done things that weren't very smart. Now, maybe we'd rather forget about it and pretend it never happened, not bring it up again. But yes, we've all done things that weren't very smart. One of the great pleasures that I get in reading the Bible is that it's a very honest book. It's not written to hide things. It's not written with selective memory. It just tells the truth about people and how they live their life. And as we begin our summer series now out of the book of Psalms, we come to a psalm with a very unusual introduction. The author of this psalm did something that wasn't very smart. And so this psalm is inspired by the thing that wasn't very smart. So let's see what it was, shall we? If we look at the introduction of Psalm 34, Psalm of David, when he changed his behavior before Abimelech, who drove him away and he departed. Now we can read this story. It's over in 1 Samuel chapter number 21. 1 Samuel 
chapter number 21. Let's see just exactly what happened. 1 Samuel 21, I'm looking at verse 10. David arose and fled that day for fear of Saul and went to Achish, the king of Gath. And the servants of Achish said unto him, Is this not David, king of the land? Did they not sing one to another of him in dances, saying, Saul has slain his thousands, and David his ten thousands? And David laid up these words in his heart and was sore afraid of Achish, king of Gath. David, what are you doing? What were you thinking in search of sanctuary or basically looking for a place to hide? He runs to the king of a city called Gath. And when he gets there, right away, people recognize him. Of course, one of David's main moments in his whole life is when he took a slingshot and a stone and tossed it and hit Goliath right in the forehead. And then you recall, he took Goliath's own sword and cut off his head. Goliath lived in Gath. <laughs> Their most famous resident was this 10-foot-tall giant, Goliath. And now David goes to Goliath's hometown for sanctuary? That wasn't very smart. He just walked into the enemy's camp and said, hey, can you help me? <laughs> no, not very smart at all. Now, he's realizing his mistake, verse 13. He changed his behavior before them and feigned himself mad in their hands, scrabbled on the doors of the gate and let his spittle fall down on his beard. And said Achish to his servants, lo, you see, this man is mad. Wherefore have you brought him to me? Have I need a madman that you brought this fellow to play the madman in my presence? Shall this fellow come into my house? David drooled all over his beard. And he gets a crayon or something. And he starts scribbling on the walls. And the king says, get this guy out of here. He's crazy. So they kicked him out. Now my friends. David fully understands that the Philistines could just as well have killed him for revenge. Remember, he killed their champion. Or they could have killed him because they thought he's crazy, he's out of his mind anyways, we might as well put him out of his misery. There's lots of reasons they could have killed him. He is totally in their power, but, but, God delivered him from the hand of the king of Gath. David fully understands it wasn't his foolish play acting that got him free. It was God who came to David's aid even when he did something that wasn't very smart. Some people have the idea that I, if I act just perfectly and do everything right, God will help me. No, he helps you when you do things that aren't very smart. He comes to your aid when you play the fool. Now David, thinking about how fortunate he was that God got him out of the jam that he got himself into, feels very grateful, thankful, that God didn't abandon him when he made such bad choices. He's inspired to write a song. And Psalm 34 is that song. So let's read it and see what he says. The first ten verses are just a pure, wonderful song to praise God. He burst into song inspired 
by God's help in spite of his foolish behavior. The last 12 verses are just a sermon tacked on to the end. So we begin in verse 1 of Psalm 34. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Think of it now. When you've been foolish, when you've done wrong, when you've ignored God, when you've made mistakes, God never stops blessing you. So David says, I want to bless the Lord all the time. I want to thank him for everything. There's too much to be thankful for. I can't stop thanking him. I want to praise God all the time. Now, my friends, just think about last Sunday. We had hundreds of people here. And all up and down the roads, everywhere, And there was no car accident, none at all. We had four teams of horses working all day, no horse play. Everyone was safe and sound. Thank you, Jesus. And more than any other time, any other time we've ever had it, people came to me and they said, we love the atmosphere around this place. It feels good to be here. Thank you, Jesus, for that. A lady came to me and said, i just got to come to this church. Thank you, Jesus, for that. But do you know what really inspired me? We finished around 7 p.m. with a cleanup. About five hours later, the wind came up and the rain came down. And it rained, and it rained 15 hours straight. Can you imagine what it would have been like to do Old Fashioned Day 24 hours later? Huh? In the pouring rain for hours on end. As the rain poured down on Monday, I looked out the window and said, Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I'm with David. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. As a matter of fact, I'm going to brag, he says. I'm going to brag about God. David says, humble people will be glad to hear me brag about God. Now, of course, you realize humble people hate bragging. They hate to do it, and they hate to hear it. But when you brag about God, you're pointing out the many, many things he has done. As the old song we like to sing says, count your blessings, name them one by one. And what? It will surprise you. What the Lord has done. So folks, as David said, let's magnify the Lord and let's do it together. Let's all do it. God is infinite and he can't be any bigger than he already is. He himself can't be magnified. It's our concept of God that's often small. We have low opinions about God. Those need magnifying. So let's all praise God until we all get a higher opinion of God and his generosity and his wonderful works. David gives the happy invitation. Come with me. Let's magnify God together. Verse 4. I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. They looked unto him and were lightened and their faces were not ashamed. 
This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamped around about them that fear him and delivereth them. Notice David said, God delivered me out of all my fears. He doesn't say God delivered me out of all my troubles. There he says, he delivered me out of all my fears. My friends, we have more fears than we do troubles. To be released from fear is a wonderful gift from God. To say, I'm not afraid and mean it. That's a wonderful gift. Straight from God. You look at God, he says, and are lightened. Or that is, you understand. Your mind begins to grasp. He opens your eyes and you see what life is all about. Come to find out, apparently, when David was drooling on his beard and scribbling on the wall, in his heart he was crying, help me, help me, help me, get me out of here. And God, in spite of David's not very smart choices, came to his aid and got him out of gas. Now verse 7 uses a military word. God encamps around them that fear him. That is, he surrounds us with an army. If you recall Elisha in the Old Testament, his servant said, Elisha, we're trapped in this city. And Elisha prayed, God, open this servant's eyes. And God made him see that there was a whole army around the city. Angels and chariots. Up in the sky. My friends, if you are in God's side, you are never outnumbered. Just trust Him. He's got it covered. Verse 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in Him. Fear the Lord, ye His saints. There's no want to them that fear Him. The young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. Lions out in the wild are always hungry. Always searching for food. Never do they have enough. The hunger drives them on and on through their whole life. But he says, you and I, our souls can be fat and full. Blessings enough for all. God will never let your soul starve. We can always say, bread of heaven, feed me till I want no more. You can feel the fullness of life that God will supply to all of his children. But you may say to me, Eric, I don't always feel the fullness of God in my life. Oh, look what David says. Taste and see. You want it? Taste and see. You got to reach out and grab it and eat it. God set the table full. Life More abundant, he promised. Fullness of joy, he promised. Peace that passes understanding. So won't you just taste and see? Take it. Just take it. We've sung David's song along with him. Now let's listen to his sermon. Verse 11. Come, ye children, hearken unto me, and I will teach you the fear of the Lord. What man is he that desireth life and loveth many days that he may see good? Keep thy tongue from evil and thy lips from speaking guile. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. So he says, let me explain it. Let me clarify what I mean. 
Children, starts there. Young people, take this while you're young. And what an advantage you'll have in your life if you start early. Take it while you're young. And the question he puts here is, do you love life? Do you love life? Do you want a happy life or not? If you do, well, oh, oh, oh. Here we go, David. Now, my friends, here we go again, too. If you want a happy life, he says, if you want to do what's right, if you want to enjoy knowing and serving God, you'll have to learn when to shut your mouth. <laughs> Control your responses. It's all through the Bible. Solomon says, a fool seems to be wise if he keeps his mouth shut. Solomon says, a soft answer turneth away wrath. James says, be slow to speak. James says again, the tongue is unruly. Paul says, let your speech be seasoned with grace and salt. And Jesus himself says, by your words, you'll be contemned. Controlling what comes out of your mouth will lead to a happy life. You need to learn how to do it. Seek peace, he says, with people. Jesus said what? Blessed are the peacemakers. Those are the ones that are going to be called the children of God. Verse 15. The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous, and his ears are open to their cry. Face of the Lord is against them that do evil, to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. The righteous cry, the Lord heareth, and delivereth them out of all their trouble. He says, God's eyes... And God's ears are on us when we're doing his will. He's listening and he's watching very carefully. He turns his face away from people determined to do evil. But live for Jesus and you always have his full attention on you. Even when you're sleeping, the Bible says. He's there watching. Verse 18. Lord is nigh to them that are of a broken heart and save as such that be of a contrite spirit. God is particularly attentive to people with broken hearts. Have you been wounded in a relationship? Has someone broken your heart? He knows how you He's had his heart broken many, many times. So when you feel like crying, you'll find Jesus to be very near to your heart. What a faithful friend he is. Very near. He is closest, I find, when I need him the most. That's when he's closest. Verse 19, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth him out of them all. He keepeth all his bones, and not one of them is broken. The most dangerous thing is sin. Sin is the most contagious of all diseases. Sin is the most dangerous to your soul. It is the most crushing thing to your spirit. From it, he will deliver you as far as the east is from the west. 
From it, he'll give you full pardon and promises to wash you whiter than snow. And from it, he'll remove its heavy burden and break the power of canceled sin. God promises safety to your soul if you trust in him. Verse 21. Evil shall slay the wicked, and they that hate the righteous shall be desolate. The Lord redeemeth the soul of his servants, and none of them that trust in him shall be desolate. Sin as a disease of the soul, has the power to kill you. It's much worse than cancer. And sin has the power to make you filled with despair. But to those who serve God... They are redeemed and paid for, adopted into his family, and they are promised this, I will never leave you or forsake you. So David writes with full confidence that God will take care of you, God will bless you, God will deliver you, God will protect you, God will enlighten you, God will caress you, God will hear you, and God will redeem you. And that comes from a man who just did something that wasn't very smart. What's he teaching us? David teaches us that God loves us no matter what we do. He's not like us. He loves us when we're foolish and clumsy, careless and thoughtless, and reckless and mistaken. We tend to measure love on our scale. It grows smaller if we don't approve of people's behavior. Jesus loved us with an everlasting love. Never fades, never changes, no matter how foolish we've been. So, I agree with David. Let's never stop praising him. huh? Let's be bragging about him. Let's all do it together. My friends, I encourage you with all my heart, taste and see that the Lord is good. May God bless you as you give thanks for his numberless blessings. Shall we pray? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word and its instruction to us, how it encourages us, helps us, meets us in our weak place, in our bad moments, and tells us, here's help. Here's all you need. Come and take what you need. He's promised to be there and bless us when we've been foolish, when we've made bad choices. We throw ourselves on your mercy and want to tell everybody just how good you have been to us. So bless us as we consider these things today. Thank you for being so good to us. And we ask for more from your hand every day. Fill us up, we pray. Let us taste and see just how good God is. Bless these people because they've been here today and heard this message. Give them something special throughout this day that they might take it with them and find all the help they need in God. 
ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Closing, I'd like you to turn your hymn book, if you will, with me. Page number 576. Page number 576. Standing as we sing, Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. Standing as we sing, 576. Great is thy faithfulness. Page 576. your faithfulness and we know that your mercies are new every day towards us and though we so often fall we often falter and step right into situations that are really not smart we know that you are there that you forgive us that you pick us back up take us to the place you want us to be help us to listen help us to Sing praises of you 
and to taste and see that you are such a wonderful God in our life. You bring wonder and forgiveness, grace, kindness to us. You are close to us when when we need you. We are thankful for all of these things. And we just pray that you would work in our hearts and help us to be ever thankful for you, to brag about you and the things that you have done and not about what we think we have accomplished. We thank you for all these things and we ask for your hand. We thank you especially for our, our safety last week and throughout this week watching over us. And we pray again that you bring our folks back to this place to worship All these folks here, watch over them and protect them and put your special hand on what they need to do this week. For all these things we pray, amen.